Yeah.
Previously on The Lighthouse. Should you not wake up every day just being grateful that your life has been spared? As a believer, God wants you to know that when you think about the blood of Jesus, you should think about the fact that you have been saved, you have been delivered, therefore you don't have to be afraid. Praise God. When you touch the scarlet line, you are touching the blood of Jesus. And that blood of Jesus should provide you a grateful heart that says, I have been spared from death. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 to 21, For you know that your lives were ransomed once and for all. Your lives were ransomed once and for all. Keyword, once and for all. God saved you once and for all. He doesn't need to save you again. You have been saved once and for all. The day you gave your life to Jesus. The Bible says, Your lives were ransomed once and for all from the empty and futile way of life handed down from generation to generation. It was not a ransom payment of silver and gold, which eventually perishes, but the precious blood of Christ. My God, it is by the precious blood of Jesus Christ that your life, your life has been ransomed. Your life was ransomed because of the blood of Jesus. Now, here is today's message. Hello, hello. Welcome to church. Good morning. My name is Davis Bamigboy, and I'm so delighted to have you in our church today. Today, we're going to be talking about a topic called the power of a sanctified life. Now, over the past two weeks, we have covered a topic called the confidence of the scarlet line. And this topic about the scarlet line was premised upon the story of redemption of a woman named Rahab in the city of Jericho. As Joshua and his armies were trying to come in to possess Canaan, Joshua sent two spies to Jericho is the first city after they crossed the Jordan 
to go and do a reconnaissance expedition there to see how the land was fortified or not. And when they came into this town, this woman Rahab hid them from uh, the king of Jericho from finding them out. And then they enter into a covenant with Rahab where they said, look, if you don't tell about our coming here to the people here, and um, we are going to save you. And then she asked for a sign. And I spoke about the power of the token, that the sign and the token is the same thing. And that in, this, in the case of Rahab and the spies, the token was the scarlet line. She hung the scarlet line from the window or she tied the scarlet line to the window where she led the spies down. And because of that, when Joshua came into Jericho in Joshua chapter 6, the Bible recorded that Joshua spared the, life, the, life, the lives of Rahab and her family members. So that story essentially we can relate to because it talks about two things. Number one, uh, it talks about the salvation that we have secured in Christ Jesus, how God took us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. And also, it also talks about how God continues to save us today. When, when there's pandemic in the world or there's problem here and there, God is still able to save his own children. It doesn't matter what you're going through right now. I want you to know that the blood of Jesus Christ is still available to speak for you. Praise God. Now, after Joshua sent the spies there and the spies came back to Joshua, um, and they came to tell him about how the land was and the fact that the God has given them the land of Jericho. The Bible then took us into chapter 3 where Joshua now was now asking the people to prepare to go to cross the Jordan to go into Jericho. Praise God. So the message today is taken from Joshua chapter 3 from verses 1 to 5. Alright, so I'm going to read. Praise God. I'm reading from the Amplified Version. The Bible says, Joshua rose early in the morning and they removed from Shittim and came to the Jordan, he and all the Israelites, and lodged there before passing over. And after three days, the officers went through the camp, commanding the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God being born by the Levitical priests, set out from where you are and follow it. Yet a space must be kept between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near to it, that you may be able to see the ark, and know the way you must go, for you have not passed this way before. Verse 5, And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourself, that is, separate yourself for a special holy purpose, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Praise God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, this morning, I just want to thank you for the word that you will be released today that will help your people. Thank you, Almighty God, for the word that you have packaged together for us today to enjoy. The word that you've packaged for us today to be uh, encouraged, to be challenged in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Almighty God, that your word will come out smoothly to touch lives, help people in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Almighty God, our hearts are open right now to receive the infallible word of the Almighty God. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God. All right, verse 5 reads, I'm focusing on verse 5, which is the key message is about sanctifying yourself. The Bible says, sanctify yourself, that is, separate yourself for a special holy purpose. For tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders among you. The Lord will do wonders among you. All right. So, in the text we just read, there's a word that stuck out, right? That word was, sanctify yourselves. 
sanctify yourselves. Now, the word sanctification, actually, in the Amplified Version, it explained to us what sanctification is. It says to separate yourself for a special holy purpose. Sanctification is, means to be set apart for a holy purpose. Now, but today, I want to explain to you sanctification in, in two realms. I'm going to talk about three examples in the, in the Old Covenant, how sanctification was used. And I will then relate that to sanctification under the New Covenant. Praise God. Now, this message for today will be preached in two parts. Today is part one. Part two will be completed next week. Okay, let's look at the first example. Now, there is a law in the Bible, according to theological people, there's a law called the law of first mention. The law of first mention says that when you see a word used in the Bible for the first time, try and understand why it was used. All right, so when we look at the word sanctification or the word sanctify, we want to look at the first time it was used in the Bible. Where the very first time it was used in the Bible was in the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 3, after God has created everything he wanted to create, the Bible talks about the fact that God sanctified the seventh day. So, Genesis chapter 2, verse 3 reads, And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. Let's say that again. God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because it is in that day that God rested from all his work which God has created and made. So the Bible here says, God sanctified the seventh day. Why? Because on that day, God rested. Now, the word sanctified is from the Hebrew word Kadash, and it means to set apart or to make holy. To set apart or to make holy. Praise God. Now, why did God set apart the seventh day? It is because God rested from all of his work. So when we talk about sanctification, actually, it seems to me that sanctification is a call to the rest of God. Praise God. It's a call to come and enter into the rest of God. It's a state of rest that God has called us into. So under the new covenant, a sanctified life is a life that is resting on the finished work of Jesus Christ. That life is not resting on his own laurels. That life is not resting on what it can do. That life is resting on the finished work of Jesus Christ, which means Christ is your sanctification. Praise God. Christ is my holiness. Praise God. When somebody points to me and say, what makes you holy? I will say, Jesus is the one who is my holiness. If Christ can be unholy, then I can be unholy. But if Christ cannot be unholy, praise God I cannot be unholy now sanctification and holiness by the way they are variations of the same mess of the same thing it means to set apart all right so we see that in Genesis chapter 2 verse 3 God sanctified the seventh day because that day was the day that God rested from all of his works when you are sanctified when God makes you holy all right you are meant to rest from your own striving you are meant to enter into a state of rest that god has made available for you in christ jesus praise god Lord, let's look at another example the as an example that i actually use a lot which is in the book of exodus chapter 3 verse 5. in this example the bible talks about a man named moses moses was introduced into the picture some years back when he was born and he, his, his mother actually placed him um in the you know in a, in a river because they couldn't take care of him or because uh you know um they didn't want him to grow up you know in, in that environment and essentially god sent um 
Pharaoh, Pharaoh started coming to have a shower, you know, near the river and saw the baby and took the baby Moses, you know, um, out of the water. And that's why the, the name Moses means fetch out of water. So they brought Moses into the palace of Pharaoh and Moses actually grew up in the palace of Pharaoh. But along the way, Moses um, uh, knew about the fact that these Israelites, they were his people and um, Moses um, eventually mistakenly killed somebody because he, he, had, he had an anger issue. He killed somebody and he ran away. So Moses here, therefore, was in, a, in some sort of wilderness experience where he was trying to figure himself out. Then he encountered God in the place called the burning bush experience. In the burning bush experience essentially is a time when Moses, when he was shepherding the flock, he saw a bush burning, but the bush was not consumed by the fire that was burning the bush. And Moses sort of turned to look at the bush. And God says something to him that was recorded in Exodus chapter 3 verse 5. God says to him, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet out of respect because the place on which you're standing is holy ground. God told Moses and said, look, where you're standing right now is holy ground. Now, I say this to a lot to people that have been following my message. And I said that, you know, on that mountain where Moses was rearing the sheep, Moses must have passed that mountain place a number of times because that was his, his trade. His trade was a shepherd. You know, he would shepherd the flock here and there. And I said that even on that mountain, the sheep may have you know, defecated the place. They may have, um, you know, urinated there. They may have, you know, um, you know, defecated the place, essentially. You know, and even Moses himself, if he couldn't find a place, maybe there's no toilet around the place, he may have gone in there to ease himself, right? So, which means, if we were to take somebody like you to that mountain and say, look, this is a beautiful mountain, but you can see, you see a lot of um, trash there. You see a lot of uh, urine, a lot of... Um, in feces all over the place on the mountain you would consider that place mm, unholy right okay but this is the same mountain upon which god sh showed up and the moment god showed up god said to moses and said do not come near for this place you are standing now is a holy ground now the question i ask is what made an ordinary mountain what made it a holy mountain the answer is very simple because of the presence of god so what we can differ from here or what we can infer rather from here is that it is the presence of God on something that makes it holy. Nothing is holy by itself unless God shows up there. When God shows up in a place, that place is declared holy, no matter how the natural state of that place may be. So when God shows up in your life, when you give your life to Jesus and God comes in to live there, then brothers and sisters i can say to you 100 without any apology that you are holy why because god lives inside of you praise god let's look at the third option the third example i want to talk about here is is um, um not not a mountain is actually the tabernacle in israel the, the bible talks about the tabernacle in israel made, made it's made up of three parts there's the outer court there's a holy place and there's the most holy place. Now, the outer court is where, you know, it's at the fringes where the crowd gathers. You know, there, there's a holy place and then there's this, the most holy place. The most holy place, you can call it the holy of holies or the most holy place. This is the place where God shows up, you know, to meet with the people. Not with the people, you meet with the priest. The priest will go into the most holy place once a year to make atonement for the people. Essentially, once a year, the priest would kill a goat or a lamb and take the blood and 
bring it into the most holy place to offer it so that God can pardon the sin of the people or cover their sin for a year. Alright, now in this most holy place is where God shows up. The Bible talks about the fact that in that most holy place, there is the Ark of the Covenant. Remember in the story of Joshua that we read now, you talk about carrying the Ark of the Covenant, right? They, that when they see the Ark of the Covenant moving, they should follow the Ark of the Covenant because the Ark of the Covenant represents the, the presence of God. Alright, so when the tabernacle, right now, they, you know, in the story we just read now, they're moving towards, to, towards the Jordan, right? The Ark of the Covenant is being carried by the priests. They're moving towards the Jordan. Alright, cool. But you see, when they are solitary, when they are in a particular place, they, they, they have a tabernacle and they put the Ark of the Covenant in the most holy place, which is the, in, the, in the inner court. Okay? Right. So the, the Ark of the Covenant has the presence of God. And that's where the priest goes in once a year to offer the blood of lambs and bulls to sanctify the people. All right, to essentially make them to become clean. <laughs> to make sure that their sins are covered for another year. So essentially the most holy place therefore is a place where god meets the people where the presence of god shows up all right so hebrews 9 3 now talks about something under the the bible talks about hebrews 9 3 talks about it talks it says it this way but inside beyond the second curtain of veil there stood another tabernacle known as the holy of holies so you see what made the holy of holies holy is because again the presence of God shows up there. The Holy of Holies were made, actually the, the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant, covenant was made with things picked from the earth. Brass and gold, they are things, normal things picked from the earth. But when God shows up there, that place is designated a holy place. Praise God. Now, when you look at what I've used now, I've used three examples. The seventh day in which God rested, Moses' encounter on the mount. And the holy of holies in any of these three places or three things or three places mentioned there was never a hint of any of these things doing anything to become holy their holiness is not based on what they have done their holiness is based on who has either declared them holy or who inhabits the place that is the difference the difference here is when God declares something holy, that thing is holy. I want you to I want to say that again. When God declares something to be holy, that thing is holy. When God lives or shows up in a place, that place too is holy. Okay. So now you got two major truths that I want you to really hold on to because as you go on this journey, don't ever forget that. Number one, when God declares something to be holy, that thing is holy. That thing is set apart because God said so. <laughs> Praise God. When God shows up in a place, because of the presence of God, that place too is holy. Okay, so we got that right. Praise God. Now, please don't forget that. Don't forget that because now I want to step into new covenant examples. Remember, Joshua told them in, in that Joshua chapter 3 verse 5, he says, sanctify yourselves. Make yourself holy. <laughs> The beautiful thing is that under the old covenant, they cannot be holy by themselves. It's not possible. They have to do all this ceremonial washing and do stuff to, to, to put themselves in a particular place. But under the new covenant, brothers and sisters, we were made holy by the blood of Jesus. So I'm going to show you the example again. Let's go back to example number one, the seventh day. The seventh day was declared the day of rest, right? Now, that day of rest is called, is naturally called the day of Sabbath or the Sabbath day. In Mark chapter 2 verse 27, Jesus Christ said this. Jesus Christ said, The Sabbath was made for the sake 
of the people and not people for the Sabbath. I want you to ponder that. Jesus Christ said, the Sabbath was made for you. You are not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was created for you. What does that even mean? The Sabbath actually is from the Hebrew word Shabbat, which means to rest. <laughs> which means if you apply that back to Mark 2.27, it's actually saying <clears throat> the day of rest or being able to rest was made for you. God wants you to be in a state of rest, brothers. God wants you to be in a state of rest, sisters. That is what God wants you to be. He wants you to be in a state of rest. Praise God. All right. So what it means, therefore, is... <clears throat> Sabbath being a day of rest was declared holy by God because God rested on that day. God wants you and I to come into a state of rest because we are trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ. You are you as a believer, you are to rest like God did. God rested on the seventh day after he finished all of the work. You are to rest like God did today because Christ finished the work. When Christ said it is finished on that cross, he is saying everything that is needed to bring you to, to bring you to God, everything that is needed to make your salvation secured, everything that is needed to make you right before God has been done, has been paid for, which means he is saying to you now, you have to step up now and receive that which I have done for you. Praise God. The Bible says God is the one who is working in you to will and to do for his own good pleasure. Oh yes, I remember. I remember a time when I was a sinner. Oh, when I couldn't get figure things out by myself, when I had to struggle and do this and do that. But one day I remember the grace of God showed up and saved me. And when I became saved, my life never, be, never returned to what it used to be. I became what the Bible called a born again Christian. So Jesus Christ is your Sabbath. You are to put your faith in the one who is now your Sabbath. Jesus Christ is the place of rest for the believer. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 9 to 10. Hebrews 4 9 to 10. Let's read it. The Bible says, So we conclude that there is still a full and complete Sabbath rest waiting for believers to experience. As we enter into God's faith rest life, faith rest life we cease from our own works just as god celebrates his finished work and rests in them praise god that blessed me so much what the bible here says that to appropriate the rest that christ already purchased for you you have to lay hold on that rest by faith which means the only way to lay hold on the faith work of god is to walk by faith when you walk by faith you are going to be able to lay hold on that god wants you to rest the way he rested himself after he created all the work. The work is done. Christ has finished the work for you. The question is, will you rest in what Christ has done for you? Praise God. We enjoy God's rest as we surrender by faith into what Christ has done for us. We don't need to strive, but we flow with the Holy Spirit. When Jesus Christ said it is finished, he opened the way for you to rest forever for you to rest. All that's required for you now is to appropriate by faith the rest that is already yours in Jesus. You need to believe that all that Christ has died, all that Christ died for you to achieve is for you. That's the starting point. Starting point to walk in rest is to know that you are not working to gain God's favor. You are laying hold on the favor because of what Christ has done for you. Praise God forevermore. All right. Example number two. Example number two. The burning bush experience that Moses had, what does that mean for us now under the new covenant? You see, when Moses encountered the presence of God on that mountain, is a type of the encounter that the believer, uh, the sinner, 
had at Calvary's Hill when the sinner got changed and became a believer. On the mountain, a holy God commissioned Moses to do his work. Moses was set apart, as it were, for the work that God has called him to. For us as well, when we come to the Mount of Calvary as a sinner, we came in there and God did what? God saved us by the blood of Jesus. When Christ hung on the cross and we put our faith in what Christ did for us, at that point in time, immediately we were set apart. We were set apart from a profane use to a, a, a holy use. Praise God. God translated us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his dear son. Our destiny changed forever. We became holy and sanctified on that mount, on that mount, the same encounter that, uh, that Moses had with God, where he got, you know, his life got changed and then he had, he was given his life's assignment. We also became transformed at the Mount of Calvary. Amen. And we were given our life's assignment to be, to conform to the image of Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter three, Romans chapter three, verse 25 to 27, the Bible says, Jesus Christ, God's, Jesus, Jesus is God's God-given destiny. Sorry. Jesus is God-given destiny was to be the sacrifice to take away sins. And now is our mercy seat because of his death on the cross. Okay. We come to him. Now we come to him on that cross for mercy. For God has made a provision for us to be forgiven by faith in the sacred blood of Jesus. We were forgiven by faith in the sacred blood of Jesus Christ. This is the perfect demonstration of God's justice. Because until now, he had been so patient, holding back his justice out of his tolerance for us. So he covered over the sins of those who live proud to Jesus' sacrifice. Essentially, what he's saying here is, you know, I told you about the Day of Atonement, that the, the blood of bulls will be, will, will be applied in the most holy place and God will cover their sin for another year. The Bible said God was looking forward now. Well, then God was looking forward to the death of Jesus Christ at Calvary's hill. And therefore, God was overlooking their sin. The sin was never paid for them, but God was overlooking it because God basically was saying, you know, one day my son is going to come that will pay for this. So essentially, they were living on what I call IOUs, right? They were living on God's IOUs and God said, no, a time is going to come that my son is going to come and pay for this. And that's what Christ has done for you. Praise God. Verse 26 then says, when the season of tolerance came to an end, there was only one possible way for God to give away his righteousness and still be true to both his justice and his mercy to offer up his son. The only way for God to save us and still remain God without violating his own command is for his son to die in our place. Now, because we have put our trust in the faithfulness of that son, Jesus Christ, God declares us righteous in his eyes. The Bible here says you are forgiven by faith in the blood of Jesus. And the outcome of that forgiveness, brothers and sisters, is that God declares you now righteous in his eyes. God sees you right now in his own eyes as righteous as Jesus Christ is. I know that might sound like uh, sacrilege to some people, but that is what the Bible teaches. That is what God says. Therefore, you cannot claim to be forgiven <laughs> and not agree that you are righteous. It's not possible. You can't say, oh, I'm forgiven, but I'm not righteous. If you do that, you are walking at cross purposes with what the power of the cross has given to us. I want you to say with me, I am forever forgiven. I am forever righteous because of the sacred blood of Jesus. Say it again. I am forever forgiven. I am forever righteous because of the sacred blood of Jesus Christ. Praise God. All right, let's go to example three, the Holy of Holies. I spoke about the most holy place. Uh, you know, right there in the whole covenant, the most holy place has to be in a tabernacle in a particular place. God shows up in a location to meet with them. 
That's how sanctification is done in the old covenant. But listen, let me tell you what happens to us now. <laughs> the Bible says we are the very temple of God. My God, you are the very temple of God. You are the habitation of God himself. You are the place where God lives. You are the one in, which, in, which, in whom God lives. Look at what Ephesians chapter 2 verse 21 to 22 says. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 21 to 22 says, This entire building is under construction and is continually growing under his supervision until it rises up completed as the holy temple of the Lord himself. Praise God. God is working in you and working on you until you rise up as the holy temple of the Lord himself. Verse 22 then says, This means that God is transforming each one of you, including me, into the holy of holies, his dwelling place. Through the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. Did you get that? You are the Holy of Holies, brother. You are the Holy of Holies, sisters. You are the Holy of Holies, sisters. Yes, through the power of the Holy Ghost living in you, you cannot, you cannot be assured that you are holy. You can be assured that you are holy. If anybody tells you otherwise, I want you to know that that is a lie. The Bible declares here that you are holy. Praise God forevermore. How did that happen? Through the power of the Holy Ghost. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 17 says, God's inner sanctuary is holy. Inner sanctuary also refers to the most holy place. God's inner sanctuary is holy. We agree with that. The inner sanctuary where God shows up is holy. Remember? Remember those that, that in the old covenant, the place did not become holy because anything happened. It's because God declared that is holy and God shows up there. When God shows up in that place, it becomes it became holy, right? The Bible is yes, 1 Corinthians 3:17 is alluding to that. It says, God's inner sanctuary is holy. Period. Now, listen to what he now says. He says, and that is exactly who you are. You are God's inner sanctuary. Oh my God. You are God's inner sanctuary. What does that mean? You are holy. You are holy. You are holy. You are set apart. Sorry, I'm whispering, but it's too, it's too sacred. I want you to get it. Right? You are holy. You are sacred. You are set apart. You are not an ordinary person. Your life is a sanctified life. And that is the power of your life. You are a sanctified person. You are set apart for God. Because God himself indwells you right now. When did this happen? At a new birth. When you gave your life to Jesus. The moment you gave your life to Jesus, something happened. You were, you were, you, you, you were given the Spirit of God. And God himself came into your life. Praise God. Look at what Ephesians chapter 4 verse 24. In the New Living Translation, it says, Put on your new nature, created to be like God. Wow! Put on your new nature, created to be like God. Your new nature is created or was created to be like God. Your new nature was created to be like God. How? Truly righteous and truly holy. My God, you are truly righteous like God. You are truly holy like God. You know, this might sound like heresy, but it is not. This is what the Bible says. The Bible here says your new nature, your born again spirit is created to be like God. Truly righteous and truly holy. You are truly righteous. You are truly holy. And this has nothing to do with how you feel. It is a spiritual truth which never changes whether you believe it or not. If you think about this truth carefully, there's no other way for this to work. Let me explain. Suppose you have a child, right? And your child is meant to have your genetic makeup, right? If you have a child, it's expected that your child is going to have your genetic makeup, correct? Okay. Now, it will be an anomaly, don't you think? If your child then has the gene of a distant relation, or worse, <laughs> the gene of a stranger, 
we'll, we'll begin to ask a question. There's something wrong in there. Who we'll gave birth to this child? Because this child doesn't have my gene at all. What happened here? What happened here? Now, if God is holy, the Bible declared in the book of Revelation that God is holy. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. God is holy. If God is holy, it only makes sense that you, as his child, should be holy too. If you are not holy, or you refuse to accept that you are holy, then you are a bastard. Then you are a stranger. Then somebody gave birth to you. It's not God. <laughs> but praise God, you were given birth to, to God in the spirit when he gave your life to Jesus Christ by the spirit of God himself. And that is the basis of this teaching. The power of a, of a, of a sanctified life is premised on the fact that God declared you holy because he himself is holy. You have your gene. You got your gene from God himself. Praise God. The Bible says you are holy and therefore you should say you are holy. Now, let's make this affirmation. My new nature is created to be like God. My new nature is created to be like God. I am truly righteous and holy. Praise God forevermore. All right. Now, when you are holy, what do the what do the Bible what does the Bible call you? Rather, what does the Bible call you when you're holy? The Bible declares you to be what we call saint. So if I say I am Saint Davis, I'm not speaking too much. You know, in the Catholic Church, they give people sainthood after they've, after they've died. <laughs> but the Bible teaches otherwise. The Bible says, you are a saint right now. You are a saint right now. Look at Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1 says, Wherefore, holy brethren, wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of her profession, Jesus Christ. The key word I want to call out there is, the Bible calls you what? Holy brethren. The Bible does not call you unholy brethren. The Bible did not call you, oh, once holy but now not holy anymore. The Bible didn't say that. It says you are a what? A holy brother, a holy sister. Philippians chapter 1 verse 1 says, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. So the Bible says, calling you what? Saints in Christ. You are a saint in Christ. Praise God forevermore. How did this happen? How can you be a saint? Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30. The Bible says, God has united you. God has united you with Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy and he freed us from sin. I want you to read that scripture again, especially the part where what Christ did for us. Let's read again. Uh, it's underlined, if you're watching in, in the live church, it's underlined, or if you listen to this on, on the podcast, it's underlined. This sentence is underlined. I want you to really get it. It says, Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy and he freed us from sin. There are four things I picked up from here, brothers and sisters, that I want you not to forget. Number one, Christ made you right with God, period. That's why you can say you are righteous. He made you right with God. And this being made right with God has nothing to do with what you have done. It's a gift of God. Praise God. The second one is he made you to be pure. When you look at yourself with filth, God does not look at you with filth because he sees you pure. Praise God. The other one is he made you holy. Holiness is to be set apart. God chose you and set you apart from the rest of the people. He made you holy. Praise God. The last one is Christ freed you from the nature of sin. Sin is no longer an issue as, we, as far as God is concerned with you. Why? Because his son paid the price. Praise God. Now, these four points speaks of a reality that has already happened. 
think about it it has already happened i know you may not feel like that right now i mean i know you may have been taught something wrong uh, uh, differently from what i'm teaching you today but this is a reality that has happened this is the power of a sanctified life praise god you know when i take this scripture in first Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30 in the passion translation i'm going to read for you again what he says listen that this actually makes it very very easy he says for it is not from man that we draw our life but from god it is not from man that we draw our life but from god ha! my god it is not from man that you draw your life but from god it is not from man that you draw your life but from god i'll say that again it is not from man that you draw your life but from god the new life that you have in you right now is not from man it's from god now the question is is god unholy no is god impure no is god a sinner no is god unrighteous no now, if the new nature you have is from God himself, how could you say you are righteous? How could you say you are unholy? How could you say you are impure? How could you say you are a sinner? How could you even, you know, spew such words out of your mouth? Because your new nature, you draw your life now from God. Praise God. Now, the Bible says, it is not from man that we draw our life, but from God, as we are being joined to Jesus, the anointed one. And now, this Jesus is our God-given wisdom, is our virtue, is our holiness, is our redemption. Praise God. Look at that. Christ is what? Our holiness. Christ is your holiness. Did you see that? Did you see that? The only way you can lose your holiness is when you are no longer joined to Jesus. If you say you repudiate the faith, you walked away from faith. Like I said last, last, last week, if you abandon the faith and you say, I don't want to be a Christian anymore, I turn my back to God, then you lose your holiness. But if you don't do that, the Bible here says, Christ is your holiness. Praise God. Brothers and sisters, there are three levels of sanctification that we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks. The four, we took, we did three levels of sanctification based on what the Bible teaches, right? This sanctification is used to describe a human being. You know, we've spoken about sanctification in terms of being in a place, a place is sanctified, um, a thing is sanctified, set apart. But when we talk about a human being, there are three levels of sanctification that I want to talk about. The first one is what we call position, positional sanctification. Second one is experiential sanctification. And the third one is consummational sanctification. Today, we're going to be only focusing on positional sanctification. What does it mean to be positionally sanctified? Well, every believer is holy forever in the eyes of God. We've spoken about that today over and over and over. And you know what God wants me to share with you today is he wants him to repeat this so much so that some of you might even get so offended about, about it, right? Because it's something that he wants you to get to upset possibly the way you're thinking that if you've been thinking, oh, I'm not righteous, God says, no, let's scrap that. Every believer is holy forever in the eyes of God. Our sanctification is contingent on the once and for all time eternal sacrifice of Jesus Christ on our behalf. This has nothing to do with any act of holiness on our part. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 10 says, And in accordance with the will of God. Note, it is the will of God. In accordance with the will of God. In accordance, in accordance with this will of God. There's a will of God in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 10 that is talking about in, in, in accordance to that, in, in response to that, all right? The Bible says we have been made holy, period. Listen to this. The will of God is for you to be holy. But we have been made holy. How? Through the offering made once and for all of the body of Jesus Christ, the anointed one. The Bible says you became holy because of the once and for all time sacrifice of jesus christ so which means that sacrifice was done two thousand years ago and that sacrifice made you holy 
And that holiness is something that happens once and for all time. The moment you give your life to Jesus Christ, you become holy right at that point in time. Again, let's recall what holiness and sanctification is. We recall before that holiness and sanctification means to be set apart from a profane use. Now, since you have the Spirit of Jesus Christ right now, it means you have been set apart by God. It means you are as holy in your spirit as Jesus Christ is. If you have the Spirit of Jesus Christ living inside of you right now, and you have to have it for you to become born again, it means that the Spirit of God in you makes you as holy as Jesus Christ is in the spirit. In the spirit. Praise God. Romans 8.11, New Living Translation. Romans 8.11, New Living Translation says, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. Period. Let's stop. Let's stop that. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of God, who raised Jesus Christ from the dead, lives in you. Do I say the Spirit of God? What lives in you, not comes on you, lives in you. That's why it is wrong to be praying, um, Holy Spirit, come upon us now. No, He already lives inside of you. He lives inside of you. He lives inside of you. the Spirit of God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives inside of you, and just as God raise Christ from the dead, it will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Now, if you deny the truth presented by the scripture, then you cannot claim to become born again. I'm sorry. If you deny the fact that it is the spirit of God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead that lives inside of you, then I'm here to tell you you are not born again. If You can only be born again if the spirit of Christ lives inside of you. And the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is the same spirit that is living inside of you right now. If you don't agree with that scripture, then you are not born again. Nobody can become born again unless they have the spirit of God living inside of them. You know, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, the Bible says, All that Jesus now is, so are we in this world. All that Jesus Christ now is, so are we in this world. This statement carries great ramifications. Let me explain to you. If you understand this scripture as it is, so are we in this world, it will change your life forever. <laughs> you know, the verb is, all that just Christ now is, so are we in this world. The, the verb is, <laughs> you know, it's a verb. It's a doing, it's a doing uh, uh, word, right? It's a doing word. <laughs> that word is, actually, what it means is, all that Jesus Christ is actively doing right now, is actually working right now in heaven. That is what we are, which means we are what he is. We are who he is. We are a reflection of Jesus Christ on the earth. I don't know whether you're getting it. Essentially, what he's saying here is we are not like Jesus was. I want you to get that very clearly. We are not like Jesus was. We are not like Jesus was. We are not like Jesus Christ that came and, and was with us for 33 years plus in, in the city of Jerusalem. We are not like Jesus was. If you're on the call and you're watching me, you, you probably, maybe if you're from Israel, maybe you look like him, yeah? But I don't look like Jesus in the physical. See what I mean? We are not like Jesus was, but we are like he is. How is Jesus now, brothers and sisters? He is in the resurrected body and is sitting at the right hand of God with this spirit of holiness. You see what I mean? Now, as he is, I don't have the resurrected body yet because I've, I'm not yet dead and I've, I'm not yet dead which means God has not raised me from the dead, right? I'm still on the earth in my physical body, right? But as he is, how? In the spirit, as he is right now. So am I in this world. So we are not like Jesus was, but because of grace, my God, we are like he is right now. How is he right now? Christ is pure. 
is holy, is seated in heaven, is glorified. My God, you are right now pure. You are right now holy. You are right now seated in heaven. You are right now glorified. Praise God forevermore. Look, what this is saying, brothers and sisters, is that right now the power of a sanctified life begins with you understanding your position in Christ, understanding that the work is already done. This reality is the way God sees things. This reality is how God sees you. Your spirit to God is pure, holy, and righteous. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. In the Passion Translation, it says, Surely, you must know that people who practice evil cannot possess God's kingdom realm. Stop being deceived. People who continue to engage in sexual immorality, idolatry, adultery, sexual perversion, homosexuality, fraud, greed, drunkenness, verbal abuse, and extortion, this will not inherit God's kingdom realm. In the realm of God, there is a kind of people that are respected. Okay? Look at that. He called all these people that cannot enter into that realm. Okay? Now, look at the, the beauty of the scripture. Look at the next verse. The Bible says, It is true that some of you once lived in those lifestyle, lifestyle. There was a time you used to live like that. There was a time your address was in, 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 um, in the fraud lane. You used to live on death row. There was a time you used to live in, in drunkenness avenue. There was a time you used to live in, in sexual streets. There was a time you used to live in, in the life in the, in the world of immorality. There was a time you used to uh, be uh, uh, you know, homosexual. There was a time you used to be used to embrace greed as a lifestyle. There was a time you used to engage in extortion, cheating people. The Bible says you used to be like that. But now, but now you have been purified from sin. You have been made holy. You have been given a perfect standard before God. My God, look at what the Bible says. The Bible says there is a time, there was a time you used to be in this other world, in the world of Satan. But the Bible says, but now remember, I want you to remember, but now you have been. You have been means it has already happened. You have been purified. You have been purified from sin. You have been made holy. You have been given a perfect standard before God. How did this happen? All because of the power of the name of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and through our union with the Spirit of our God. You see, the Bible says we are united with the Spirit of our God. That's the key thing. This is where believers sort of get it wrong. It is in the Spirit. This Bible here says it is, it is through our union with the Spirit of our God and because of the power of the name of Jesus that we have been purified from sin, made holy, and we have given a perfect standing before God. Praise God. Now, remember I said earlier, if you don't have the Spirit of God, you are none of His. So, because you are united together with Jesus Christ through that Spirit, you can lay claim to the fact that you are purified from sin, you are made holy, and you are given a perfect standing from, before God. If you read that scripture again, it will change your life. Ponder on it. If I read it in different translations, look, what he says here is, you are purified from sin, you are made holy, you are given a perfect standing before God. What made this possible? Because of the power of the name of Jesus, because of the union that you have with the Spirit of our God. Again, you did not do anything to become holy. It was imputed to you, given to your account because of the blood of Jesus when you believed in him. How does God see you now? Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 says, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 says, And in love he chose us before, the, before, before he laid the foundation of the universe. Because of his great love, he ordained us so that we will be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. The Bible here is saying, 
the Bible here is saying the reason why God chose us or ordained us is so that we will be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. Ponder that scripture. Ponder it. God chose you before he laid the foundation of the world. Before God created the world at all, God had you in mind. But God didn't stop there. Because of that great love, God did something again. God chose us in Christ. And he says, if you give your life to Jesus and you believe in him, guess what? I see you now in my own eyes. I see you as holy as my son is. And I see you with an unstained innocence. You have a white cloth that is not stained in the eyes of God. You are attired in the robe of righteousness that is not stained in the eyes of God. Praise God. Before God formed the world, God chose you first. And the purpose of you being ordained is so that you'll be seen as holy in the eyes of my Father. Our Father sees you holy with an unstained innocence. How can this be? How can this be when you make mistakes? How can this be when you run assured your life at times? How can this be when you shouted at somebody yesterday? How can this be? Because God sees you through the eyes of Jesus. Look, next week I'm going to be talking about how to make this holiness a reality in our lives. But today I just want to draw it on, into, into your mind, to your heart, that God sees you as holy as himself. Look at it. Look at Ephesians chapter 5 verse 27. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 27, the Bible says, All that he does in us is designed to make us a mature church for his pleasure until we become a source of praise to him, glorious and radiant, beautiful and holy, without flaw or fault. Jesus Christ is doing a work in every believer today to make us glorious, to make us radiant, to make us beautiful and holy, without fault or flaw. In fact, if you look in the book of Colossians, it describes our holiness as a foregone conclusion. Look at what it says here. Colossians chapter 1 verse 22 says, And now there's nothing between you and Father God, for he sees you as holy and flawless and restored. God sees you today holy, sees you today flawless, sees you today restored. There's nothing between you and Father God. There's nothing that can separate you from, separate you from God. There's no enmity between you and God. That's what the scripture is saying. There's no enmity between you and God. Why? Because God sees you holy in his eyes. He sees you holy. He sees you flawless. He sees you restored. Praise God. Colossians chapter 3 verse 12 says, you are always and dearly loved by God. My dad bless me. You are always and dearly loved by God. Ponder on that. Ponder on that. Always, always, not sometime, always and dearly loved by God. But God didn't stop there. So now, because you know that you are loved by God all the time, because you are loved by God all of the time, robe yourself with the virtues of God. Why? Since you have been divinely chosen to be holy. The reason why you must put on the virtue of God, which I will talk about next week, how to begin to behave, is because you have been divinely chosen to be holy. Praise God forevermore. Praise God forevermore. Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 9 says, He gave us resurrection life and drew us to himself by his holy calling on our lives. By his holy calling on our lives. Bible says there's a holy calling upon your life. There's a holy calling upon your life. There's a being a, a setting apart, a calling forth to set apart upon your life. You are not ordinary brothers. You are not ordinary sisters. You are a child of God. First Peter chapter 2 verse 5 says, You also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. The Bible says you are a holy priesthood. You are a holy priesthood. Praise God forevermore. Can you see yourself as holy as God says you are holy? You are righteous as Christ himself is. Why? In your spirit, 
it is the spirit of christ that is living inside of you that is in your spirit and if you have the spirit of god that spirit is a holy spirit that's why it's called a holy spirit and because that spirit is a holy spirit that spirit makes you holy or that spirit made you holy in the eyes of god by the blood of jesus christ that you were shed at calvary's hill you have been declared holy forever in the eyes of god praise god forevermore all right as we begin to round up there's something i want to share with you that is very important in second corinthians chapter 6 verse 14 to 18 the bible talks about practical holiness how to make holiness to be practical i'm going to deep, dig deep into this next week you know in part two of this message but i just want to quickly run run through this to give you a hint amen the bible here says in second corinthians chapter 6 verse 14 to, to 18 the bible talks about being the temple of the living god and this is how you can bring your holiness your being set apart to bear let's read what the bible says the bible says don't continue to team up with unbelievers in mismatch alliances for what partnership is there between righteousness and rebellion what could mingle light with darkness what harmony can there be between christ and satan or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever what friendship does god's temple have with demons for indeed we are the temple of the living god just as god has said god said i will make my home in them and walk among them i will be their god and they will be my people praise god for this reason for this reason because god will make his home in us and he has you see here i will make this this quote was in the old testament but now he has made his home in us he walks among us he walks among us he walks in us he walks among us as a, as a group of believers he also walks in us He's, he lives inside of us he is our god and we are his people because this is something that has now happened this uh, uh, scripture here is quoting something that God said in the old covenant but in our case it has already happened I hope you, you get it praise God for this reason because now God God lives in us God walks among us because God is our God and we are his people we are his children he says come out from among them come out from among people of the world and be separate be holy be separate that's what God is saying touch not that which is unclean don't mingle with unclean things and i embrace you here he says i will embrace you but in order in the covenant remember god will never be angry with us like he was preached before so uh, you know god embraces you that's the reality that i wanted to take away god embraces you but he's asking you be separate remember who you are don't mingle with the world don't mingle the way of the world the way the way of the world the way the world does does his own thing don't do that he says I will be a true father to you here it will not be i will be a true father he is he is a father to you our own true father and you are his beloved son or you are his beloved daughter says the lord god almighty praise god so as you get ready to cross the jordan there are some things that god wants you to bear in mind to to be conscious of number one you are the very temple of god you are the very temple of god god tabernacles in you god lives in you right now what does that mean if god lives in you if you're taking a walk in the park or you see something that some some bad things happen around where you live just remember I, I i'm a god carrier i'm god god lives inside of me i'm god's child god lives inside of me god lives inside of me so what, how would god behave in this situation and let his spirit living inside of you tell you what to do and then you take action in that way because why you are set apart number two point be careful who you ally yourself with be careful who you ally yourself with choose your friends with wisdom ensure that you are partners with those who love christ this is very important the bible says don't be unequally yoked this is very important in this age and time bible is asking you don't get yourself yoked up with people that don't know god that don't have the same value system as you 
it will derail you. It will not allow you to go to the Jordan that God, to go to the other side of Jordan that God wants you to get to. Number three, remember that you are God's child forever. Even when you mess up, <laughs> even when you, especially when you mess up, don't forget that you are God's child. Remember the story of the prodigal son? It was when the prodigal son remembered who he was, that's when he got redemption. You know, when he was still wallowing in the pigs, uh, with the pigs people, you know, uh, he was living a life below the standard of God or the standard that his father has for him. But he remembered who he was in the state of messiness. And then he came back and the father did what? The father accepted him. Praise God. I want you to know you are God's child forever, especially when you mess up. Number four, don't depend on your righteous acts as the basis upon which God is going to move in your life. Remember, God already set you apart. He sees you only. And God, rest, God, God is giving things into your life because of what Christ has done for you. Praise God. Number five, remember that you are already set apart from the world. That you may be in this world, but you are not of this world. Don't forget that. You are already set apart. When your friends are telling you to go and do some nasty stuff, remember, you are already set apart. When people of the world are telling you this is how they do things, remember you are different. You are set apart. You are special. You are special. God enrobes you. You know, just imagine you are the temple of God. You are the one when you are walking down the street. It is God who is walking. Yeah? When you are speaking, it is God who is speaking. When you are writing your journal, it is God who is writing the journal. Carry a consciousness of God. Which takes me to the next point. Carry a God consciousness. Carry a God consciousness. God embraces you. Can you feel his embrace right now? Can you feel his embrace right where, right where you are? Can you feel his embrace right now? Can you sense it's the oil of God pouring over your head? Can you see that? God welcomes you all of the time. Don't forget, God welcomes you all of the time. Praise God. All right, next point is God is your father. God is your father. God is not just God to you. God is father to you. And father means source. The word father means source. Don't forget that God is your source. God himself will assume, always assume the role of caring for you and meeting every single need that you have. God gives himself eternally to us. God gives himself eternally to you. Praise God. Honestly, that blesses me so much. Which means God as Father gives himself eternally to you. It's not coming back. It's not leaving you alone. God is your Father. Father means source. God will watch over you. God will never leave you alone or forsake you. And the last point is Jehovah Sabaoth. The Lord Yahweh will fight for you. My God, God will fight for you. Why? Because God is fighting for himself. God lives inside of you and is fighting for you. And you, have you ever seen God lost a battle? Not, not once. God has never lost a battle. Even at Calvary's hill, when it looked as if God lost the battle, when Christ hung on the cross, it was the greatest victory the world has ever known. My brother, my sister, I'm so glad that you could stand in there and hang in there to the end of this program. I know this message is kind of long, but I want you to know that you are holy forever before God. And therefore, because you are holy, that is the beginning of the power that your sanctified life will begin to generate in your life. Carry a consciousness of that God, God life living inside of you, that you are not like everybody else. What this means is that if you're married, because you are now set apart, you know that you're set apart, you don't cheat on your spouse. If you're a student, you don't cheat on your grade. You keep yourself pure. If you're an entrepreneur, you don't engage in shoddy deals because, you know, you are set apart. You're set apart. You're pure and holy. You are wonderful. You know, God lives inside of you because you know that that's who you are. You don't dabble into, into wrong affairs. Praise God. All right. So you can see how this list goes on how 
carrying a consciousness of the God in you will begin to shape your life. That is the power of a sanctified life. You are not doing any of these things to earn God's favor. You are already favored by God. But you are doing these things to demonstrate to the world that you are indeed set apart. And to give a testament that you belong to a kingdom that is set apart. Praise God forevermore. I'm going to pray with you now. I'm going to pray with you now. You know, if you are on, on watching this right now in our live church or you're watching the replay or you're listening to this on the audio podcast and you feel like, man, I've carried a burden of guilt and condemnation all my life. You know, I've carried a guilt like I'm not good enough all my life. And I just need to, you to agree with me in prayer. I'm just going to pray with you. I'm going to pray with you right now. You know, if you're in a place where you can close your eyes, please close your eyes as I pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And I pray, oh God, that your children, those who have been labeled by society, those who have been beaten down even by religious conversation that put them in a place of bondage and accusation. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that your word has come out this morning to release them. To set them free. The Bible says, Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Today, right now, I proclaim over their lives freedom in the name of Jesus Christ. They are set apart by your word. Thank you, Almighty God, because the Bible says, Sanctify them by your word, for your word is truth. Thank you for your word, O Lord, that has sanctified them today, that has set them apart, that has declared over their lives that they are set apart, and therefore, no guilt is allowed, no condemnation is allowed. I stand against every voice of condemnation. I stand against every voice of guilt in their lives, and I say, Almighty God, enough is enough. Let the power of the Most High God rise up right now in their lives and overshadow them and show them that the beauty that God has in store for them is unlimited. Thank you, Almighty God, for the work you're doing. In Jesus' name, we pray. Praise God forevermore. Thank you, everyone, everyone, for listening, for watching. I'll speak to you another time. Please remember, if you feel led to uh, sow into the ministry, you'll see a link on the screen. Please give generously as God put in your heart, and I'll be speaking to you next time. Remember, you are blessed and highly favored. It's a great week for you. It's a wonderful week for you. Carry the God consciousness as you go, and the Lord God Almighty, Jehovah, Jehovah Sabawat himself will fight for you. I'll speak to you another time. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You have been so, so good to me. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. You have been so, so kind to me.